The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello, and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag change. Today's topic is Embracing Change with Confidence, and our guest for today's show is Gregory Simpson, who is the CTO at Synchrony Financial. Hi, Greg. How are you? Doing great. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for joining us. So when we talk about change, as we, a lot of people talk about, like the change is the only constant, and without change, we will perish. Now, all of that has always been spoken about, and perhaps it's, it's so much of a motivational speech versus what happens in real life when you are at the top and when you are going in a steady pace. You see the growth, but suddenly there is a disruption. Or someone comes and says, okay, if we don't change ourselves, we are bound to be doomed. How much of that is truly unnerving for the people at the top? Uh, you know, I think it's, a, it's something we have to think about all the time. We, it's 100% true. Uh, it, you know, we see entire industries being disrupted all the time because they aren't anticipating how they can be, in many cases, digitally disrupted. And, you know, it's not just about Netflix and, Netflix and Blockbuster. That's sort of the classic tale. You know, uh, you know, the more recent example is who thought Uber would digitally disrupt the taxi industry? I don't think anybody thought the taxi industry was ripe for digital disruption, but it's under a huge digital, digital disruption right now. And, you know, this goes back a long time, back to, you know, if you go back to typewriters and Smith Corona, they actually tried to convert to computers uh, doing a joint venture with a company that at the time was very little known, Asus, and uh, they gave up after a year because they didn't wait long enough. They didn't, and they missed the whole, the whole transition. So they're a shell of what they used to be when they ran typewriters. Uh, you know, Kodak, I mean, there's just, there's example after example. If you think about companies that have been, caught uh, because they weren't thinking ahead. You know, I think Andy Groves put it well when he said, only the paranoid survive. You have to really uh, always be thinking about change. It's something that we uh, believe is important in our culture at Synchrony Financial to be looking ahead, thinking forward, trying to figure out how we can make our market uh, more successful, help our customers. Uh, and in order to do that, we have to change and adapt with the marketplace. Now, when you do mention about this, uh, these examples that you specifically mentioned, they look more disruptive, like almost like a creative destruction. You literally annihilate one industry's uh, current model, and then you introduce another one. However, change is not only the Big Bang, or it's not only the transform- transformative. 
Totally. You still have changes happening at the incremental level. And yes, to some extent, you can tweak things. But is it everything that comes your way? Are you supposed to play, put that in your sandbox and try to play with it? Or you should also learn or, or, or uh, embrace the art of ignorance, uh, intelligent ignorance? Well, I, I, I wouldn't encourage people to embrace ignorance, <laughs> but I would encourage them to, to make uh, wise choices. Uh, certainly, you can't uh, be jumping on every new thing that comes by because there's a new thing coming by every hour, right? So you've got to be able to make intelligent choices, and that means you've got to have the right team. But incremental growth is not sufficient to stay ahead of the 10x disruptor. And so the company that feels good because they're number one in their industry and they just continue to incrementally grow without uh, really investing or looking ahead and thinking about what that potential disruptor could be in their industry, they're at risk of being replaced because the incremental growth that they sustain will not be sufficient to uh, exceed that of that 10x disruptor that comes along and rethinks their industry. So, you know, it, it is important to incrementally grow, but it's important to always be looking ahead to say, what's the next big jump I can make? What's the next big leap I can make that can really reinvent and change uh, my organization? I, I think the... Um, you know, the, the problem with uh, some companies is it, it, it can be very comfortable to incrementally grow. And uh, I think sometimes you have to accept the fact that it's not about being in your comfort zone. It's about uh, figuring out how to, to continue to make your company the, best it, the very best it can be. Now, wherever you do mention about incremental growth, I'm sure you're not trying to downplay incremental growth. However, when we talk about anything which is disruptive, that means you're going to be doing something which is unprecedented for the most part. You do not have a crystal ball. You do not have the people, processes, and technology aligned. And you think about that from a CEO or a top technology leader's point of view. They really do not know where they are going. And a blind would be leading another blind. Is that, is that truly a very comfort? I, I, okay, we are not looking for being comfortable. Totally understand. But can I really have confidence where I really don't have answers to all particular things that I would like to have as part of due diligence? You know, I think the thing that people have to run, understand is just because you change course doesn't mean you can't change course again. You know, it's often referred to as the pivot, right? So you, you, you move forward, you realize... You know, if you play basketball, you're trying to get to the goal. You start to go forward, you run into another player. You have to pivot and, and maybe make adjustments along the way in order to find the optimal course to the goal. Uh, you still want to fight for the goal. And, and the only way you ever get to the goal is to move forward. So if you're not trying to change, if you're not trying to grow, if you're not trying to do new things, and, and you may have to pivot along the way. You may have to throw the ball back. Uh, over the over the three point line and then bring it back in again, right? So uh, it's okay to uh, change course on a change. Um, if you wait for perfect information in order to move forward, you'll never move forward because the information changes all the time. So what was perfect today won't be the perfect answer tomorrow. Won't be the perfect answer the next day. Uh, you've got to really uh, be willing to to move forward and adapt as the situation adapts. You know, the world's moving faster and faster every day. And so our ability to predict perfectly the future, it gets harder and harder. And so you have to be willing to do real-time predictive uh, course changes uh, and, and because there is no crystal ball. 
the very topic was embracing change with confidence. And here the word confidence has been to some extent replaced with self-belief or a leap of faith. In the context of business where a lot of people's jobs, uh, economy, and uh, the company's very existence is at stake, to what degree do you expect people at the top who are also supposed to answer to the Wall Street to keep confidence aside and go with a leap of faith? Yeah, I guess I, I think it's not about one particular person taking a leap of faith. You know, I think the key is that the leader needs to surround themselves with a diverse team, a strong team. And they need to talk to a bunch of different people. They need to talk to startups. They need to talk to venture capitalists. They need to talk to new college grads that they just hired and get a diverse set of opinions and, and, and then take the company culture forward and help move the company forward. It's not about one person taking the leap forward and the shareholders rewarding that, that CEO. It's about the company demonstrating that they're innovative and willing to take the risk necessary to be successful in their field. Uh, not all risks will, will pan out, and that's why you have to sometimes scale the, the, the change. Sometimes you have to do a, a smaller proof of concept, do something that's a little less risky to start with, introduce that new idea in, a, in an area that's uh, less risky for your business, but can still try it out so that you can say, okay, this is working well. Let's take it to scale. How can we apply this to our core business? We tried it on the side and it works well. Let's, t- let's take it out and, and do it at, at, at large scale. So I think you can, you can do change uh, without necessarily undue risk. And you can do it, in, and, and you do have to have confidence uh, in your ability to, to, to move forward. But it's really about having confidence in your whole team. It's not about individual leaders. It's about uh, a culture of innovation, a culture of driving change in the company. And the leader gets that by bringing great talent in. When we talk about embracing change, I could start with the if question that whether I should change uh, in a given given context. What should I change which will get me the most value or maybe prioritize what we should change first? And then would come the how. So all three of them are to some extent to be answered and we should be confident about to some extent so that you are able to have others follow. If the leader himself or herself, and this is not again about one person, we still want the whole organization to be confident. But how would that confidence come without the, the person at the top first recognizing if, what, and how, and then painting the vision for the rest of the organization, rally up the troops, and actually move forward so change is not being done in the just the technology side, for example, or just hiring and firing people. It is more about becoming part of the renewed DNA of an organization. Yeah, I think the key is that it's, it's, the leader certainly is required to uh, have a vision and lay out clarity of vision but the leader doesn't talk to you about how. You know, take our, our CEO, Margaret Keene at Synchrony Financial. She's a very strong leader, but she's very open to input from her team, and she lays out a clear vision of how she wants our company to move forward and how we want to engage and how we want to be leaders in more than just financial services, but really fintech. And, and she lays out that vision, but she's counting on uh, a a myriad of leaders across that company to carry that change forward. 
And she's not telling them how. She's expecting them to figure it out. So, so we've got to figure out how to, to make that change happen. So uh, it, typically the leader is doing the vision. They're not doing the here's how you go do it. So the intuition and gut is what they use to start, and then we somehow find our way through? Is that what you think typically happens when an organization successfully goes about embracing change? Well, I think gut is gut does come into it, but also data and data points. If I think about myself, you know, I have a I have a gut feel for things as well, but I also surround myself with with great leaders. I try to hire great people who have skills that, you know, in some cases are very complimentary to my own. Maybe they're a deep expert in an area. And by listening to those leaders, talking to my team, hearing what people, people's ideas are, they can help formulate maybe the best path forward. I might have to pull all those ideas together and present them to the organization to say, here's our vision. But that vision isn't mine alone. That vision is heavily influenced by the people that work for me, the people that I hire, which is why it's so important for leaders to be able to bring great people into the organization. Now, when we do talk about data, and we will actually take a quick break. When we come back, we should discuss this. But when we talk about data, and nowadays there is no dearth of data, and there is no even dearth of knowledge, but the wisdom is missing, or wisdom is is not available as much as we would like in order for us to make decisions. And yes, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we don't have a crystal ball, but moving forward with wisdom is go, is more likely to bring confidence into an organization and its people versus saying we have lots of data, we churned it in 20 different ways. So let's, let's explore it and let's challenge this notion that I put out there. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh Greg, we, we spoke about this whole, um, you know, data, intuition, gut, and we do know that there is a lot of data floating around, and then also we are turning it to find different business intelligence, and then we did talk about actionable business intelligence. At some point, it comes out to be the wisdom, which is what we were looking for, which we can use as the basis of 
uh, embracing any change with confidence is not found as as frequently and as much as we would like to. What do you think is the is the reason for that, and how do you turn the ship around? Well, I think the um, the key for understanding change and how to bring it into an organization is 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 you is sometimes you need some outside in thinking. I'm just trying to think of an example here with Synchrony Financial. If we uh, if we look at uh, we made a big investment in a company called Loop Pay, who was later acquired by Samsung. Um, by doing that. Uh, it was a great way for us to get engaged in the mobile payment space because Loop Pay is the technology behind Samsung Pay, uh, and it provides the ability to, to simulate a mag stripe, so you can do sort of uh, you know touchless mobile phone payments without having to change out the point of sale. And so that Samsung Pay solution uh, was enabled by this technology, Loop Pay, which Synchrony Financial made a big investment in. But the the point is. By investing in that company, it wasn't just about the dollar investment. It was also the the relationships and the people interactions and the the community and talking to the people that were working on this technology solution, uh, interacting with with that team, interacting with Samsung, interacting with some of these technology companies that have a different perspective than than a typical financial services firm. And so, bringing diverse thinking, bringing in outside thinking, talking to others that are doing uh, more disruptive innovation in, in what could be considered a slightly different field, but actually very tightly coupled to what we're doing in payment solutions, gives us the ability to really open our minds and say, how can we think differently about change? And how can we introduce change? How are we going to support the changes that are happening in our industry? So I think we have to look at change and what's going on in our industry. And, and the way you do that is to work with a diverse group of people that have that are working in the industry today so you can get a, a better understanding of everything they're doing. So change is more of a journey versus a cutover in a project. Would you agree? That's right. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and if you do that, then, then whatever upfront due diligence that you did to get the data, the wisdom, the knowledge, and any other uh, data points that you could collect, all that is great. Now, once you say that, yes, we are going to go about this change, then the, the embracing of change is pervasive across the organization, and it has to be for it to really be effective. What is the secret sauce to that? You know, there, there have been a lot of studies on how you make change occur across the organization. There's, you know, you typically talk about the early adopters. There are people who are very good champions of change. There's the resistors who sort of like things the way they were. And then there's, you know, the majority of the people are somewhere in the middle saying, okay, is this change really going to stick or not? And if it does, I'll go along with it, but I'm not going to rush in. I'm not an early adopter. There's that sort of middle group that's waiting to see what's going on. Uh, they're not resistant, but they're not uh, pushing or driving change. Uh, you know, a lot of change has to do with communication. Once the vision's established, you have to really help bring people along and help them understand it personally. You know, one of the things we've done at Synchrony Financial is lay out, you know, our, uh, some very high-level uh, traits that we expect to see in our people. And, uh, but it's not enough to lay out the traits for the company you have to work with the individuals in the company to help them personalize that because that might be different for, for different people based on their role in the organization. And so I think it's, you know, change comes about because 
of the culture of the organization. And that's not an instantaneous thing. A, a CEO can't dictate tomorrow, hey, we're going to innovate. It, it, you know, it takes time to really uh, address the cultural uh, things that hold innovation back. Innovation requires some risk-taking. Sometimes organizations aren't very good at risk-taking. So you have to understand why. Sometimes it's because there's penalties in place for people that fail. You have to figure out how to make it okay to fail in certain circumstances. What are the guardrails around failure that make it acceptable? When is it not acceptable? There are certain things you're not allowed to fail at. You need to make it very clear that, for example, compliance and integrity, there's no failure is, is allowed. You know, it's, it's got to be 100%. But there are other things when, you, when you're doing a, uh, a new technology implementation, uh, certain risks are, are tolerated and certain failures are tolerated. So I think uh, really helping people understand what their role is in the change, how they can get engaged in the change, removing the, the fear uh, of the obstacles that come with uh, sort of the old processes that were put in place that maybe uh, stifled innovation or change, uh, helping, helping remove those obstacles is, is part of the role of the leader. Um, because change is hard for a lot of people, and so it takes a concentrated effort to uh, prepare the organization to move forward in a new way. When we start out, of course, we do the due diligence. Uh, we collect the data, we use our gut intuition, talk to people, everything else that we could potentially do. And maybe at that point, we feel reasonably assured that if we go this path, it's going to serve us well. Now, when we start the process at that time, as we mentioned that it says, we actually discussed it's a journey, we see the confidence ebbs and flows. Uh, you know, in like between the leadership as well as the middle management and the operational staff. At what level would you kind of put a threshold to say, okay, this change was started, and yes, we had the confidence, but we did not have the crystal ball, and this change is really not working out the way we are going about it, or the change is not even worth it. So if it's a sinking ship, how do you know, or do you, do you basically let your uh, ego write a check? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because you don't always know, right? Sometimes the change was right, but the time was wrong. And so you have to decide, do I, you know, do I let it bake a little longer and continue to drive this way and maybe the market's going to get, you know, is going to come along this way at some point in time? Or do you cut your losses? One of the hardest things for people to do often is to stop a project that they've invested heavily in. But great leaders have to make those tough choices. Those are the tough choices that need to be made. Um, and, and you've got to be able to decide, is this, is this not working and I want to stop? Uh, you know, the, the preferred route in innovation is, you know, usually you learn something from that change, and you need to take that learning, and that's where the, the concept of pivot comes along, and, and say, okay, this didn't quite work the way I expected. I need to make some adjustments, but I don't necessarily need to stop it and go back to square zero, right? So maybe I, I move forward you know, two steps a little bit to the right, but I need to adjust course a little bit to the left. I don't need to go back to the beginning in order to go to the left. I can just step left and, 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 and pivot my, my uh, approach a little bit uh, based on the learnings of my change. So uh, we've got to stop. I, I think people tend to think of changes as binary, and the reality is the world is not black and white. There's a lot of gray, and we've got to figure out the path forward that... Uh, is optimal for our changing marketplace. And the reality is, the market, since the marketplace is changing, the path forward changes as well. And so you've got to be continually adapting. 
And so your leaders, that's, you've got to hire leaders that are comfortable working in a changing environment. Uh, if, they're, if they're looking for one answer that they can go hang their hat on, even, you know, I'm going to change to answer B. Well, as soon as you change the answer B, now that's the old answer. So uh, it's, you know, it, it won't just be one answer. You've got to continue to adapt and evolve uh, your company, or you will become obsolete at some point in time. It's interesting you bring up adaptability as one of the core strengths of leaders who can help embrace change confidently. What does that do, though, to the very accountability of what we started out with? Because that is where the due diligence was performed in detail. And then we had laid out and uh, laid out a plan and put a stake in the ground. Now we, of course, know that the things are going to change. We maneuvered through and we reached a destination which we did not even think of starting with. So it was it was never a project or a true call, uh, so-called disruptive innovation related change at all. It turned out to be another incremental tweaked journey. Yeah, and, and I I think you know one of the things that you talk a lot about in IT is uh, agile software development methodologies, right? And and agile, it's it's not about you talked about the due diligence, laying out the requirements and making a decision. It's not about having a very, you know, detailed requirements that lays you out, that lays out the full path to that end solution. It's about, um, you know, really having the ability to iterate towards that solution over time. You know, the Agile Manifesto talks about uh, working software over comprehensive documentation. You know, you've got to, you know, build something, iterate. You know, you know, get feedback, continue to iterate. It talks about, you know, the Agile Manifesto also talks about responding to change over following a plan. So if you lay out your plan, well, if things change, you may, not need, you may need to not follow that plan and instead respond to that change. It's about individuals and interactions over processes and tools. You know, those are, those are the tenets of Agile software development. That's true for how you change as well. Um, You've got to talk to the individuals. You've got to interact, and you've got to make uh, respond to change and develop that the, the software, or in, in the case of business, develop the business process, develop the business plan, and that that business plan has got to be able to evolve based on the changes that are coming in and based on customer collaboration over a specific contract negotiation. So, you know that those manifest that manifesto for agile software development applies to a lot more than just software development. It applies to how you need to work in an agile world. Um, let's take a quick break, a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and let's talk about the fail fast, fail quick, which to some extent is manifested using the agile approach that Greg you just mentioned. Now, person at the top. Who is the leader? Who is supposed to help the organization embrace change with confidence? What are they supposed to do while they initially painted the vision and now the world has fundamentally started changing and they gave a specific statement that this is what we will be doing? Is this person supposed to just keep the Wall Street analysts happy by uh, by the talks, or there is something which they can say to justify that, hey, we started with this, but something else changed, so we changed our course, and it's going to go on and on. So the very, very message, the power of that initial message that this is what we're going to be doing, which is what brought their shareholders' value up. 
and also the ones which actually motivated the people within the organization. And now we are saying we are going to continue to change it. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it does impact the confidence level outside and inside the organization. How do we maintain those levels? Because that's also a key to continue in that journey, to have the persistence and to have the confidence. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, The top person, the top leadership, including the business and technology leaders, are answerable to the outside world and as well as the people within. Because when they started with big fanfare, they said, this is the direction we are going. We are putting a stake in the ground and we will see a changed world for ourselves. It's going to get us X, Y, Z benefits. Now, when we started working towards it, as we start maneuvering through to get something to happen. Yes, it is happening as a change, but it changes the shape from what it started with to something totally different in many cases uh, where you are at a given time. How does that impact positively or negatively on the psyche, confidence, and enthusiasm of the people who are working actually on the ground to make this change happen? You know, people people can get discouraged if they hear one thing and see something else, right? So um, certainly if, if the leader lays out one vision and, and ends up going down a completely different path without properly communicating, that's going to be very disconcerting to the employees. Um, I think, uh, first of all, the vision that the leader lays out needs to be broad enough that there is some room to adjust. Uh, if, they, if they're dictating very strict terms, chances are they will very quickly go outside of those strict terms. So, so they'd have to make sure that the, that the vision is broad enough that it's not going to get overridden very, very quickly. Now, there are certainly times when that vision can, even, even when broadly written, can, can change, and there is a need for change. Uh, at times, it's, the best thing to do is admit that there is a, there's a need for change, that, that the market conditions are dictating a different course. And, you know, I think uh, the easiest thing to do is to tell the truth. Um, it's, it's really important to understand when you're in a quickly evolving marketplace 
and you've got to and and when you talk to analysts, you've got to be able to articulate, you know, where you're at in that marketplace, where you're headed, and how you're adapting to the changes that are there. Now, one of the best things you can do is demonstrate that you're a little bit ahead of those changes. And so rather than being a follower of the changes of the marketplace, you can help set the direction of the marketplace. So by being a leader in where the market's going in mobile payments or analytics, you can be perceived by the analysts as, hey, you're, you're helping drive the market. So you're driving the market to follow you versus being driven or being pulled around and, and uh, having to change directions as the market shifts. But rather, you're helping drive it forward. I think, uh, you know, we're blessed in our company, Synchrony Financial, uh, with, a, with a great visionary in Margaret Keene. And she understands that we're in a quickly evolving marketplace. She spends a lot of time communicating to her employees uh, and very frankly, she's not afraid to say, hey, this is something we're struggling with. She's not afraid to tell us that here's an area that we need to figure out, right? Uh, once we figure it out, then she'll lay out a clear vision, a, a clear path. A good example is mobile payments. We, it, was, it was very clear from Margaret, we are going to be a leader in this space. And as a result, the company got behind it. We're the first to offer uh, private label credit cards for mobile payment. Um, and, you know, it's been a very successful move because the vision was there uh, from Margaret and the team responded and delivered for that. And it, and it was in conjunction with the market shift versus following the market. So I think one of the dangers is if you get too far behind, it's like you're at the, if you're, if you're at the back end of that roller coaster. You get whipped around a lot. You're sort of on the tail. You need to be up front. So when things shift, you're helping drive the shift. You're helping turn the train versus getting whipped around on the back end. Because uh, if you're getting whipped around, your employees feel like, okay, we're just getting whipped around versus we're leading in this changing marketplace and we're setting the direction. Even though that direction's changing, we're in charge because we're following the road where it goes. In your world where you mentioned that your CEO is very frank and clear, how many times do you think you have to keep going back and validate against the vision versus saying, okay, you told us to get something done. We are going to continue to move that path. We are going to adapt as long as we stay within that umbrella. Uh, hopefully you don't have a problem and you're given the immunity that you will produce something which will look somewhat similar to what was painted as an earlier vision. And you, you are able to still charge ahead and still you're able to instill confidence in everybody around. Yeah, and I think the difference is we want to move forward as a team of one, right? So, so when that vision's laid out, we're all about helping carry Synchrony Financial and its customers forward as a team of one. Um, so it's, it's, it's been something that, that uh, it's not about somebody going off and doing it on their own and delivering some, something that aligns with the vision and going back and validating that. It's about our organization and our customers together moving forward in this world because our, our merchants, as an example, one of our customer base, you know, this is a, they're looking at a rapidly changing world as well. And we're a partner with them to help them deal with the changing landscape in our marketplace. So we've got to plug, you know, we've got to partner with our merchants and help them navigate that changing marketplace of, uh, 
you know, mobile payments and different technologies and things that are coming through and cybersecurity and all the, all the threats that are out there in the retail world when it comes to credit card processing. How can we help uh, our customers uh, navigate that, that uh, ever-changing landscape? If I were to ask you to inventory the top um, reasons why the confidence will dwindle within or outside the organization with respect to a change which was announced earlier, and now you are, you know, riding the journey? Yeah, that's right. What would those be? Uh, uh, Say that again. So the type of issues or reasons why the confidence will dwindle in the very change that was initiated, which ones would those be? What are the places where you see that if those things happen or those things are said or those things get done the way they were done, it actually is going to dwindle confidence so that you know what to avoid? Well, I think the first thing that drives lack of confidence is lack of communication. So if your organization is changing, even if it's changing properly to adjust to the marketplace, if you're not communicating to your company, to your employees, to your teams, they start to lose confidence because they don't know what's going on. Why are we changing? Why are we, what's this new product we're introducing? Well, how does that, you know... That's different than the way I work today. Why am I not doing things the, the way I do them today? Why am I not working on my current project? Why is there a new project? What does that mean? Who, who are these new people we hired? What's going on there? So I think one of the biggest pitfalls of companies that are changing is not communicating that change effectively because then that starts to scare a lot of your resources that uh, have a lot of historical knowledge instead of bringing them along on that journey. So the first thing is lack of communication. The second thing is uh, uh, non-genuine communication. People can sense when somebody's telling them the truth or not. <laughs> and it's, so it's important that your leader be genuine and really uh, communicate clearly and, and openly about the change that occurs. Sometimes the changes are, are difficult, uh, but the leader needs to be open and, and communicate those so that they can gain the trust of all the employees. So I think that's the, one of the most important things of change is good communication. When we talk about alignment all along to say that, okay, we need to have some alignment and the leader would have painted a broad enough vision so that you have some wiggle room to uh, kind of change things as they are needed in order for you to get certain, basically to make progress. When we get... In, in, in this juggling of alignment versus doing the right thing. What do you think is required for the leader to do? And what is the type of culture we ought to have so that we do the right thing versus get in that trap of, oh, I built this vision and we are kind of going little out of it, but still this seems to be the right thing to do, but we cannot do it because somebody will say, oh, why did you even do it? Because this is not what you said you're going to do. Yeah, I, I I think you've got to be, um, you know, it, if people are so hung up on, you know, one statement, I think that's a that's a bad sign. I think I think I think you've got to have the key is to earn a level of trust with your employees that when they that when you talk to them about the changes you're making or the vision you're establishing that they're that they're comfortable when you come back and say. We're doing this, and if it's slightly different than the than the vision, there's probably a reason for it. Maybe there's, and they should feel comfortable asking that question because they should have a good enough relationship to be able to say, 
how does this tie with our vision? I don't understand. It's really about, you know, this genuine truth-telling and, and, and not trying to, to lock people into a, a message that's so, uh, so sterile or so tight that they don't have a connection. Uh, we want a collaborative team-building environment, and because we're a collaborative team-building environment, we're able to, you know, challenge each other. We're able to ask questions. We're able to talk about how does that fit with our vision. And so it's not about people going back and saying, gee, why are they doing that? It's, it's about us working together uh, day in, day out in a collaborative team of one to, to, to deliver the future of finance. Do you think you can guarantee that people will always be doing just the right thing and asking, coming out and asking questions, no matter how congenial and, and uh, immunity-driven uh, environment that you create? How do you, but the bottom line here is that these things still happen. You've told Absolutely. I mean, certainly they happen. You know, you're going to have that kind of, you will have those problems. But the good news is, at, at least at Synchrony Financial, we've got an entrepreneurial spirit, spirit because we're one year old from an IPO perspective. And we're lucky enough to have an 80-year-old heritage with GE. So, so we've got this unique combination of this 80-year-old startup, essentially. And the people that joined Synchrony joined to embrace this vision uh, of pioneering the future of finance. And thinking outside the box. And that's something we value. Value, uh, if you're going to value innovation, you've got to, be, you've, you've got to value people that say, hey, here's an idea that's outside of our vision. That's called thinking outside of the box. And so, so uh, if, if we can establish that culture, and we, I think we're on a, uh, on a good track to do exactly that, it positions us to be a leading, innovative financial technology services firm. And, and that's one of our goals. Now, if you think about change as a type of project, and as it, with any other even technology project that you pick up, one is for infrastructure, another for application development, you'll pick up different teams because they, are, have, they have the right experience, they have the right credentials, they have the right mindset to be able to run one project versus another. When you talk about things which are top-level changes, yes, the, there is an executive cabinet, if you will, for the CEO, who, no matter which change we talk about, they are the only ones who are initially discussing it and perhaps even talking with other people, but they are made accountable, responsible, and they are the ones who are leading it. Is that the best way to evaluate which, is, which are the change-related opportunities and also making them responsible and accountable, even though they may not be the best suited for it, but because you, that, that's the choice you had, because those are the five people you hired at the top? Yeah, I, I think uh, you often have to run with the with the with the horses you've got in the stable, right? So you've got to you've got to figure out how to you know leverage the unique skills of your team, and and uh, if you've got multiple projects with diverse skill sets, you're going to have to bring in you'll have to hand them out as as they best fit, right? And or you may have to uh, you know adapt and and bring in new team members to help if there's a big area that you're not covering with your existing staff. So you, you, you are in a way saying that there, there will have to be a compromise with the way, since we have only a few horses, as you mentioned, and, and changes come in all different flavors. And not everyone in the team may have that right uh, background. Are we taking risk by being complacent, by using the same um, people? It, well, first of all, if you're complacent, you are always taking a risk. A complacent team is always in danger of failing. Uh, I would never suggest anyone be complacent. I think one of the big 
things that help is having cross-functional teams. So you bring in a lot of diverse skill sets. And it's not just an IT team often doing something by themselves. It's a business team. And we bring in leaders from across various functions to deliver solutions. Um, so I don't think that's about complacency. I think that's about uh, harnessing the powers within your company to do great things. We have something we call an innovation station. An innovation station is a, a, a collaborative space with a cross-functional team of people that are going after a big, uh, a big area for us. For example, analytics or mobility. And they are funded to go get things done in those spaces to figure out what's the next big change or what's the next big thing we can deliver that will have a great impact for our customers uh, and something we can deliver quickly in an, in an agile way. Uh, and we get a lot of solutions delivered from that team. And those teams you know, may need to pull in different resources because they may not have the right, might not have the right skill sets. They might have to go tap somebody in another, in another area. I was talking to a group of employees yesterday uh, and someone from, you know, the call center came up with some great ideas. And they weren't in IT, they weren't in any way involved, but they'd done some mobile development on the side, and they had some neat ideas. They they brought them to me. So I think innovation is is buried within all the people in your organization. And the more you can tap into your entire organization, the more successful you'll be. No. You, let's take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, let's talk about the type of cabinet a CEO may want to develop in order for this organization or any organization to become excellent or an expert in identifying the opportunities to change and then embracing them with confidence. What would be the type of competencies and expertise and the mindsets that that leadership cabinet should have in order to have the top level person embrace these with confidence? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network hp is proud to sponsor this program find out how the hp as a service solution for sap hana can help you gain instant impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So let's talk about, Greg, the executive cabinet, if you will, the type of leadership that we should put in place. If suppose you were the CEO and you had to have a change, high change type of organization or a, an organization which is conducive to uh, a high frequency of change and, and a lot of change. 
what would you develop? You know, I think, I think one of the first things you've got to look for is, uh, A, your leaders need to be able to communicate. So you've got to have good communication skills. But B, you've got to have a combination of, of depth of understanding of, of whatever your, your, your technical secret sauce is, as well as a broad understanding of your industry. So you've got to be able to take um, you know, your, your, your functional expertise uh, and your deep functional expertise and apply that to a broad market understanding. And, and then you've got to be able to communicate to your teams and hire great people. Uh, and so you've got to look for, mark, for leaders that are, that are able to get out in the market and understand from the customers, from other technology firms, from venture capitalists, from college students, from, you know, to get out and, and learn about what's changing in your market and what's changing in the world that affects your marketplace. And then you've got to be able to go back and apply your functional expertise across your marketplace and across your business in a collaborative way to be successful. So in a, for, for leaders, that's about communications. It's about collaborative skills. It's about a depth in a functional expertise area. Uh, and it's about a good understanding of the business marketplace. And so if you've got those four things, you can, you can be a strong uh, change agent and leader in, in today's changing marketplace. And most organizations who, which basically look at building it into a true leadership training machinery or, or an institute, if you will, they try to develop people from within because there's a lot of institutional knowledge they can enjoy and leverage as part of developing um, strategies and also embracing change. So, so you, you, you basically shared a number of things that you would expect. How do you develop that? within the organization while remaining with the people, working with the people that you have? Or should one, you? Of the best ways, one of the best ways to develop is to, is to have great leaders because the leaders will, will mentor their teams and help grow their teams on the job in real-life situations. So I think it's important that you have, have leaders that are good mentors. I know myself in my own career, one of the reasons I was successful was because I had some great managers along the way some great leaders along the way that helped me learn how to be more effective and help me develop and grow. And so if you, if you hire leaders that are good mentors, they're going to help grow that next generation of leaders. If you hire leaders that are just more interested in their own personal success, they won't be thinking about developing that next layer. And when they leave, you're going to be in, in worse shape than you were when they started. So I think you've got to make sure your leaders are, are a big part of your solution. Certainly trainings out there, there's some great training experiences, but there's also uh, the day-to-day interaction of your teams and how they work together and how they collaborate together that helps really form that team. You know, Synchrony Financial, going through the separation from GE, it's been a very intense experience, and that's great for us as a team because when you work through very hard situations where you've got a lot of work to do in a very short period of time and a lot of change to, to take on at one time, it uh, tempers the steel of the employees. It helps them grow through that experience, both closer through relationships, but also helps them learn a lot and become stronger players. If you had to take the skill requirements for the people who are actually making the change happen, which is executing below 
the leadership level? What, what kind of skills and competencies you would like to see developed in them? In IT, I think there's some, there's some very hot skills coming in place. Right now, one of the big ones is data sciences, right? So we, we have a need for data science because we are doing a lot of analytics. Uh, it depends on your marketplace, depends on your particular firm and what, their, what core competencies they'll need. One of the competencies I think people need, though, is agile development methodologies, uh, knowledge of agile, because we, you know, in IT, one of, the, one of the ways we'll be successful is to go faster. I think uh, uh, IT at times in our industry has a reputation for being too slow, long projects that take years to implement and cost millions and millions of dollars. We've got to be able to show results in short periods of time uh, for much lower dollar amounts. And that's, that's what the whole Agile methodology is about. Uh, better results, more customer focus, the ability to change and adapt uh, with the solutions in real time. And uh, so those skill sets, the Agile software development skill sets are a great uh, skill that, that apply not just to development, but apply to how you lead in an ever-changing world. One last question, 30 seconds. What's your message for the leaders out there who are trying to align their organizations in order to embrace change with confidence? Talk to them. You know, gain their trust. Um, you know, go out as a team and, and have dinner and talk to each other. And, then, and don't just talk to them uh, about your vision. Actually listen to them because the vision should be something that they have ownership in. So it's, it's not a, an individual's vision. It's a company's vision. And that, ca- and that vision comes as a result of the, of the relationships with the employees and understanding their views as well. So I'd encourage the leaders to really foster the relationships with the entire organization so that they can be basing the vision that they clarify for the team on inputs from the entire organization. On behalf of our show and our listeners, thank you so much, Greg, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations and their leadership can work uh, in a particular direction and paint a vision and then have everybody else align in order to embrace the change with confidence. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much again. Uh, Listeners, hope you enjoyed the conversation, learned about how embracing change with confidence uh, and use some of these techniques and tips shared by Greg today. Uh, Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 